Hi everyone, welcome to That Niku Mum, a podcast sharing all of the stories from New Zealand parents who have been through NICU, Skaboo, PICU, any neonatal unit, um, sharing their stories because we don't really have anything else in New Zealand to be able to share these stories. So today is our first episode, so I thought I would do my story, why I've started this podcast, Um, And then a little bit about me and, yeah, my family. So I decided to start that Niku Mum because I love listening to, you know, birth stories, um, postpartum stories, pregnancy stories, all that kind of thing. And we have a plethora of amazing podcasts in New Zealand sharing all those stories. But I noticed that there is very little about Niku and Skaboo and Piku and, you know, the, the births that don't end up with your baby coming home with you right away or at all in some cases, unfortunately. So I thought it would be really nice to share those stories. Um, I myself had twins at 32 weeks um, during lockdown. So I know exactly what it's like to be sitting in the unit, feeling like you're never going to get out of there. When in reality, now that I look back three and a half years later, it was a blip. Um, But I would have found something like this really helpful to listen to because, like I say, when you're sitting in the unit, it feels like you're going to be there forever. So, yeah, that's really why I wanted to start this podcast. Um, And I've fortunately had so many people that have been on board with wanting to share their story or would be willing to listen to other people's stories. So that's really wonderful. Um, So I'll just start off this series um, with my story. So my name's Shan. I am a mom of three boys. Our twins, Bo and Luca, were born at 32 and 0 um, back in 2020. We live in Cambridge with our with my husband, Jordan, and our one-year-old full-term baby, Angus. So I'll start at the beginning. We got pregnant pretty much four months after we got married. Um, It wasn't planned. We decided that we wouldn't prevent, but we wouldn't try in the first year of marriage. And then after one year, we would look into start trying. But yeah, we fell pregnant. We got married in March and fell pregnant in August. Um, So obviously it was unexpected to have one baby, let alone when I went to a scan and the sonographer was like, okay, so this looks like an empty sack and that looks like it's probably just fluid but it could also be another sack went back two weeks later yep two healthy heartbeats so obviously very blessed (laughs) to have been chosen to be a twin mum but yeah um extremely extremely unexpected um and I had a pretty straightforward pregnancy other than the fact that I had hyperemesis Um, I was hospitalized, I think it was 10 times, and then I went back to the ED for fluids many times on top of that. Um, So that was really hard. But in the scheme of things, I was very lucky. I was only sick for about 16 or 17 weeks, and then um, it pretty much went away. So compared to some other pregnant people that are still sick during birth, I got off quite luckily. Um, So yeah, my pregnancy was very straightforward. I had no other complications. Um, I had one little bleed in the beginning, but other than that, 
nothing of concern, never had a raised blood pressure, never had, you know, sciatic nerve pain, never had any Braxton Hicks. I was very lucky considering I had a twin pregnancy on board. So the day my waters broke, I woke up in the morning and I was like, hmm, my back feels a little bit sore. I was 31 weeks, six days, and we had just moved house. And I was like, surely it's just, you know, from being pregnant and having moved house. Um, I had my baby shower that day. So I went on with my day. My husband had gone to work. It was a Saturday. And yeah, nothing out of the ordinary until I was partway through the baby shower, got up to cut cake. And my husband looks at me. He'd come home at that point, And he says, it looks like you've pissed yourself. And I looked down and my waters were breaking down my legs. So I just remember I was in shock. Honestly, I was just like, what do I do? What is happening? I had had a couple of OB appointments at the hospital. So when you have a twin pregnancy, you generally have your midwife and an OB. So I'd had a couple of OB appointments at the hospital and the OB had said to me, you know, we'll start planning your birth plan at about 36 weeks. And I was like, hmm, I think I would like to start planning my birth plan at around 32 weeks, just because I know, you know, sometimes like twin pregnancies can go a bit earlier. I never thought I would have an early pregnancy. I always said to everyone, I reckon I'm going to have to be induced. These twins are going to have to be like cut out of me. I'm going to have to have a cesarean because they're not going to want to be born. And yeah, obviously that didn't go to plan. So yeah, very unexpected. Um, I was, yeah, everyone was in shock. Everyone was panicking a little bit. My husband rang my midwife and scared her. By the way, he answered the phone. Um, We headed over to hospital, to Waikato Hospital, at around three o'clock and on the way over there I started having you know some period pain sort of cramps um got there midwife met me there she did the fetal fibronectin test came back positive did a scan babies were looking good but twin A's waters had definitely broken so they gave me a steroid shot they tried to stop labor and then my midwife came back to me and said unfortunately there's only one NICU bed here so we're probably going to have to move you to Palmerston North and I was like are you freaking kidding me I can't go to Palmerston North and she was like well (laughs) that's that's where you're going to be going so we were panicking a little bit they told us that I would probably go via plane or via helicopter and my husband would potentially have to drive If they couldn't get a plane, then I would go via ambulance. And again, my husband would probably have to drive. So we'd told our our mums and they had made this plan. They were like, we'll come down to Palmy, you know, we'll drive down. Thank God I actually went into labor overnight. It was horrific. I was in so much pain. I was not dilated. So I wasn't in active labor, but I was not coping. Um, the OBs that were on the ward kept saying to me, you know, we can't give you anything other than, what did they give me? A codeine and a Panadol and a sleeping tablet. And nothing obviously was helping because I was in labor. And it wasn't until about five o'clock on the next morning on the Sunday that I was finally about four centimeters dilated. So I was allowed to have the epidural and thank God for that epidural. Um, So basically they gave me the epidural and then I 
lay in a bed <laughs> for about 10 hours. They gave me another steroid shot. They really didn't want to interfere with me. Um, they wanted the babies to stay in as long as possible so that the steroids could have a really good shot at kicking in. Um, yeah, so I basically lay in a bed, managed to get some sleep. They just had one hospital midwife in the room with me and my husband. My mom had gone home at that point. Um, yeah, and we just waited. And it wasn't until the midwife helped me to roll over that I said, okay, I feel some pressure. And that's when it was all on. It, it felt like, and I don't even know how to explain the chaos that ensued. So all of a sudden there was my mum, my husband and me in the room, plus two hospital midwives, two nurses, two OBs and two NICU doctors. So there was a lot of people in the room. It felt super busy. I was overwhelmed. I <laughs> was just like, what is happening? You know, no one was really telling me anything um, other than that the babies were coming and they were going to be going to NICU. Um, the NICU doctor had been in earlier in that day and had said, you know, like, they're going to be coming with us after birth, blah, blah, blah. We'll check them over. Um, but I still, I just felt so unprepared because like I say, I was so convinced that I was going to be having a full-term birth. So I was just naive to this whole situation and I was living in it in that moment. So, um, Twin A was Luca and he was born after about 45 minutes of pushing at 5.53 p.m. on Sunday, the 22nd of uh, March. What am I thinking? 22nd of March. Um, and nine minutes later, 6.02 p.m., out popped his brother Bo. Um, Jordan, my husband, got to cut Luca's cord, but Bo had – so with a twin birth, Twin A comes out and they hold Twin B in place basically, in your stomach so that they don't turn because obviously they've now got all of this room all of a sudden so they can quite often turn breech during birth. So they had had bow in place, but as he had come down, he had kind of turned and his cord was wrapped a little bit loosely around his neck, nothing concerning. But, yeah, so I got to meet Luca for about two minutes, um, but Bo had to have oxygen straight after birth. So... Jordan didn't get to cut his cord or anything. They pretty much rushed him off. And then all of a sudden I was just, I remember saying to Jordan, you need to go with them. Do not take your eyes off of them. And he did. And then there was no one in the room except for me and a couple of midwives. And it was over and I was done. I'd given birth. Um, so that was, yeah, it just felt so busy. It felt rushed. It felt, it was awful really. I really wanted um, delayed cord clamping and I'd really wanted skin to skin straight after birth and I didn't get either of those things. So that was quite disappointing. But at the same time, I kind of knew it was for the best for the babies, you know, but it still sucks um, when you get your, your limited choices taken away from you. I was always going to have to birth at the hospital because twins, um, so to, yeah, to get the one thing that I was kind of allowed to choose taken away, that was, that sucked a bit. Um, but my midwife actually missed the birth. She had rang at about 4 p.m. and 
they had said, you know, nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was five to five and I was pushing and they'd forgotten to ring her. So she was livid. She came in a bit later. Um, but she never got to meet the twins while they were in NICU because we were in COVID. So COVID had just started. Um, the boys were born on the Sunday, the 22nd of May. Uh, why do I keep saying May? Sunday, the 22nd of March, and lockdown was announced on Monday, the 23rd. So Jordan was allowed to stay with me overnight on the Sunday. We got to go and meet the twins for a couple of minutes before I had to go to the ward to be monitored because I still had a catheter in for my epidural. Um, and then the next day we went down to meet them properly, which was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was walk into that room and there's these two incubators. I can still picture it so vividly. There's these two incubators on either side of the room and there's these tiny little babies in there that have got these big CPAP masks on and all these wires attached to them and a nurse saying, are you the mum? And I'm like, those, they came out of me, like those are my kids. And you're asking me if I'm the mum, like I'm a visitor. So, yeah, that was that was a lot. Um, and I'd obviously just given birth, and I'd been on a ward with other women who had just given birth but had their babies with them. So I'd had a rough night, um, and that kind of set me off a little bit. But, yeah, we got to meet them. And then we went back to the ward so I could have some lunch and Jordan wasn't allowed on the ward because lockdown had been announced. So I panicked. I was like, I'm not staying here without my husband and without my babies. So I made them discharge me. And they were like, you know, we need to make sure you don't have an infection. And I was like, bro, I'm going to be downstairs for the next however, I don't even know how long. If I get a fever, I will come back up. So they let me go home. Um, and then it started the days of driving up to the hospital every day. The boys started in nursery one, which is like the high risk nursery in the NICU at Wakato. Um, they were on CPAP for about 36 hours and it felt like they weren't mine. I had to ask permission to touch them. I had to ask permission to hold them. And even sometimes I got told no because it just wasn't good timing. I had to wait until it was time to do cares to change their nappies. I couldn't breastfeed. Um, I had to sign permission slips that they could have donor milk and a dummy and bottles and formula. And yeah, I, it just, it felt like a dream. It didn't feel like it was my life. No one could come and visit. These were our first, the first grandbabies in our families. For So for both of our parents, they were the first grandbabies. No one was allowed to come and meet them. Yeah, it was, um, nursery one was really hard. Um, we got moved into nursery seven after about a week, I think it was. They were still in the incubators. 
but I don't know what other units are like, but at Waikato Nursery One is like the nurses do the nurses are in charge and they organize everything and they um they decide when cares are done and they decide when you can hold your baby. And then in nursery seven, it was all of a sudden we had to do everything. And I just, I remember I was so overwhelmed. It was about, I don't know, two days after we started in there when a nurse had rang me at about nine o'clock in the morning being like, where are you? I was like, well, I'm at home. I'm heading in soon. And they were like, oh, well, you should be here for cares. And I just broke down. Like it just, I couldn't understand how, all of a sudden I had to do everything, even though they were still in an incubator and they were still on oxygen. But no one had told me that that was what it was going to be like in nursery seven. I had no, you know, no one had prepared me that all of a sudden I was going to have to stop asking if I could hold my baby, babies, and just go and do it and do all their cares and, you know, do all of that. So, it was really overwhelming and I really struggled with that adjustment. Um, on top of that, they decided because of lockdown that both parents weren't allowed to be in the unit at the same time. It was one at a time. We we tried to argue our case with the charge nurse because we had two babies. So we were like, well, you know, theoretically it should be one per baby. Um, it's unfair of you to, you know, not let us both care for a baby. And they were like, they pretty much said too bad. Um, I, Looking back, I understand it. But in the time, it just felt so unfair. It felt so stupid. You know, I was going home to Jordan every night. What was the difference? But it was the rules. It wasn't the nurses. And I felt terrible for the nurses because they were getting the brunt of our anger and our frustration, but it wasn't their fault. But yep. So I would go in in the mornings and then Jordan would go in in the afternoons. And then they changed it again. And it was one parent per day. So at that point, I had also started trying to establish breastfeeding. Jordan went over a week between seeing his babies other than in photos we weren't even really supposed to like video call or use phone calls when we were in the unit I think they gave us a bit of leeway because we were in lockdown um so I did video call him a few times but having twins and pumping and trying to breastfeed them and do their cares and eat all by myself, it was it was so hard. I'd I'd get to the hospital at about seven in the morning and I wouldn't leave until about seven at night. And the whole time I was there, it was pretty much do Luca's cares, feed Luca, give him a quick cuddle, put him down, do Bo's cares, feed Bo, give him a quick cuddle, put him down, pump, eat something, start again. It was, it was hard and I was really struggling with pumping. I could never fill up the freezer like other mums could. So we were supplementing with formula, which I was fine with. I was always happy to, to mix feed, but 
it was really hard. I remember one of the nurses asking me how much I'd pumped and I was really excited and I said, I pumped 150 mils. And she was like, that's so good from each breast. And I was like, no, in total. And she was like, oh. So that hurt (laughs) on top of everything else I was dealing with. You know, yeah. Um, We were pretty lucky in the scheme of things. Um, Our main issues were feeding and growing. Um, Luca came off oxygen after about a week and a half, two weeks. Bo came off oxygen at the same time but had to go back on and he really struggled to come back off. So after about three weeks, Luca was ready to go home. He was breastfeeding. He was having no tube top-ups. Um, he was gaining weight really well. You know, he'd had his first bath. Um, Bo was still having DSATs after every feed. He was struggling to breastfeed because he was so tired from trying to breathe. Um, he was having pretty much all tube top-ups or all tube feeds. Um, I'd ask them if they could give bottles overnight instead of just tube feeding, but that's hard to do for the nurses. Obviously, when they've got three or four babies under their care, they can't sit and bottle feed for ages at a time. So we struggled with Bo, um, and it was really hard because, like I say, Luca was ready to go home after about three weeks. Bo at that point was still on high-flow oxygen, so he was nowhere near ready to come home, and I was so torn I hated the fact that Luca had to stay in the hospital, but I was adamant that I was not going to be splitting them up because that would be harder. So every time we had rounds with the doctors, every time the charge nurse was there, every time the discharge coordinator was there, I was hounding them, asking, you know, when are we going to try bow and low flow? When are we going to try them off oxygen again? When are we going to take the tube out? When are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? Um, and I'm sure they got sick of me, but I think that was what you have to do when you're in the unit. You just got to be the squeaky wheel. Um, the doctors said, no, he can't go home until he's completely off oxygen. One of the charge nurses said, he can go home on low flow. One of the other charge nurses said, no, he needs to be, you know, ideally off oxygen. Um, and he's probably going to be here till his due date. And then a different doctor would say to us, yep, he'll be, he'll be out by 38 weeks. It was just... Every time I spoke to someone, it was something different. And I know they can't give you a concrete answer, but it just felt like we were getting the runaround. Um, Finally, it did get to a point where Bo was on low-flow oxygen. He was on 50 mils. As one of the nurses, I think her name was Vanessa, and she said, it's just a sniff. You know, it's a sniff. Um, You can go home on a sniff. So... After four weeks, we were told within a week we would be rooming in to go home. So it felt like we'd reached the end. (laughs) It felt like we had reached the end. We never felt like we would get there, but we did. Um, Jordan was allowed to come and room in with us. The discharge coordinator took pity on me because I cried a lot. Uh, and yeah, he was allowed to come and room in. We roomed in for two nights. We mix fed them. We uh, fed on demand. Niku is very much feed to a schedule, feed by numbers. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. 
I'm going to feed on demand. So I did, and they did okay. Luca didn't have much weight gain, but he had enough that we were allowed to go home after four and a half weeks. The only problem was Bo was still on low flow oxygen. So we had to be taught how to um, manage his oxygen, how to uh, work the tanks, how to work an ex- um, work the prongs. We had to be discharged home with home care nurses, so they came once or twice a week to check weight gain and everything. Um, and we had to do oximetry runs overnight for Bo a few times. But thank God he was off his oxygen before his due date. So they came home at 36.5 and he was off at 39.5 or something. So that was a relief because if you ever had an oxygen baby, you'll know how freaking hard it is to lug that tank around. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was pretty much us in our NICU journey. Like I say, we... We were quite lucky, you know, we, in the scheme of things, had quite a short stay, considering they were 32-weekers. We were in there for four and a half weeks. Um, yeah, we um, we had to go back for, like, a paediatrician checkup in about six months, and we went, and I had a panic attack walking up to the hospital and then we we didn't even have to go into NICU we had to go through the same doors in the Elizabeth Rothwell building but we went out to the white kids ward and I had another panic attack and then I used the um hand sanitizer and had another panic attack so I obviously was still really struggling with everything we had been through um and yeah, I um, I found it really hard going back there, and just remembering that every day I had to leave without my babies, and it just yeah, it was so hard to be back there with my babies, knowing that someone else was sitting in the unit feeling exactly as I had felt six months earlier. Um, after. After about a year, I think I kind of got past the problem with being able to go to the hospital, but it's been three and a half years and I still can't use the hand sanitizer. I took Luca to an ENT appointment and I used the hand sanitizer and again, had another panic attack. So I don't know how long it's going to be that I can use hospital hand sanitizer again, but that still makes me feel ill. Um, Yeah, so like I say, we were very lucky. Um, We had Angus, our singleton, in August 2022. And thank God he was a term baby. He was born at 39 weeks. He was 3.89 kilos. We were in the hospital for 12 hours before we went to the birth center. He's been exclusively breastfed for a year now. He... His birth was so healing. It was me, Jordan, my midwife, and our student midwife in the room. 
And between every push, it was like quiet. It was blissful. And I didn't understand until I had Angus's birth, I didn't understand actually how chaotic the twins' birth was with the amount of people that were in there and everything that was going on. And it was just so healing to not have that chaos when I gave birth. Um, I got to have my skin to skin. I got to feed him. Um, he was never taken away from me. Jordan got to cut the cord. We got all like the beautiful photos, you know, we got to do a proper birth announcement. We got to have our mums come and meet him before we went home. The twins came and met him before we went home, you know, everything. It just, it was amazing. And it wasn't until I had had this amazing, calming, healing birth that I was like, yeah, the prem birth and Niku was really messed up and it really messed with me. Um, yeah, so I feel really lucky that I've had a term birth after having the prem birth and that I will never have to do Niku again. Um, but yeah, like I say, three and a half years and I still struggle with it a little bit. Um, I still can't believe that I made it through those four and a half weeks. I just remember sitting in those bloody uncomfortable chairs, looking in the incubators at these two tiny alien looking babies thinking we are going to be here forever. And Now they're three and a half and they're running and asking why after everything I say to them and building creations with Duplo and they have no ongoing health issues. They had caught up size-wise at about six months. They have had no delays. They have hit every milestone. and. I just feel so lucky that we made it through. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much my story. I definitely thought I was going to waffle a lot more and I definitely thought I was going to talk a lot more, but I didn't, so I'm happy. (laughs) Yeah, so basically every episode I'm hoping will be a different story a new story no two stories are the same so no two episodes are going to be the same um if you would like to share your story please please go to our instagram page at that niku mum and fill out the link in in our bio and i will get in touch with you with a time to have a chat but in the meantime thank you so much for listening and we will chat soon bye